Hello, Jay here. If I could ask, could you give us a little five-star rate in Apple Podcasts? Go on, please. It won't take long. You can just do it now. That'd be lovely. And share the podcast. Tell your friends. Appreciate it. And on today's show, we're talking to the legend that is Jürgen Zack. German-born Jürgen swam, ran, and biked, some might say triathloned, if that's a word, his way to Phuket for the first time in 1997. A world-class triathlete, Jürgen tells us about how he got into the sport and why he finally made a permanent move to Phuket. Not only is Jürgen one of the coolest guys we know, he's also a total legend. We like Jürgen. He's cool. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, mate. Shut up, Russell. <laughs> Jürgen Zack. <laughs> the legend. The living legend what that is. Words? Come on, guys. Stop no, it. I Stop it. Let's do a big introduction. <laughs> we should have put some thought into this. We could have got a list of words that we could have used to describe. Or a list I'm, of achievements. A list of achievements. Iron Man, tough guy. Just all funny around, mother. All, all round legend, really. Legend, all round legend. Just all round legend. Okay, no, enough, enough, enough. <laughs> he doesn't want to just, just don't mention that he's German. Everything else was good. I think he's one of my favourite Germans. It's a short list. Norbert, Harold, Jürgen. Yeah, it's a short list. Yeah. Jürgen's at the top. Thank you, guys. Anyway, welcome. Thanks for being on our little podcast. Jürgen, how long have you been in Phuket for? Well, I've been coming to Phuket since 1997. Um... Uh, I was invited to do the Laguna Phuket Triathlon, actually already in 94, but I turned the invitation down because I was just in Kona, Hawaii Ironman, and I had enough of the heat. And me as a German, I'm really struggling with the heat, so I was just looking forward to a cool German autumn weather. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I didn't think, I was not too excited about going to Asia. I had all these pictures in my mind, crowded cities, too spicy food, <laughs> heat, humidity, uh, pollution. In 95, I got invited again, um, turned it down again. 96, I got invited for the third time, just fell in love with a girl in Hawaii, so I went to Hawaii instead. <laughs> and then 97, they invited me four times in a row and I didn't upset them yet. Uh, it was Debbie and uh, Michelle who were running the show at Laguna Phuket Triathlon. And I said, okay, they're so nice to me, I gotta go. And then it was just a paradise. I mean, So, 97 was the first time you came to Phuket? Yeah, the, the, and I stayed at the Banyan Tree Hotel, that's where they put all the pro triathletes mm. in, and I pick, got picked up by the limousine, oh. and lived a life in luxury for a week, and it was a well international, well organized race uh, with lots of prize money. And then I flew home, did the same thing the next year, and then in 98, when I came back to Germany, after seeing the five-star life in Phuket, I thought this is not real Thailand. So I decided to fly back and spend a month as a backpacker, just in cheap hotels, sometimes no air condition, 300 baht places, traveled north, Chiang Mai in the mountains, to Phi Island, Koh Samui, and um, then I realized the real Thailand, how yeah. beautiful it is, yeah. and everything that I didn't like before, was suddenly fantastic. I loved the crowded city of Bangkok. I loved the smell of the food uh, on the streets and the mix of rain, smell of food, and the yeah. smell of Drains. gasoline. Oh, gasoline. <laughs> in, the, in Bangkok and, and the, the countryside and uh, the, the Buddh Buddhism life um, and um, the weather, the scenery. And then I kept coming back every year for maybe one or two months. And then I got a job offer at Tanyapura 11 years ago. And I was running the Triathlon Academy as a director. So that was the the point where Tanyapura went to you, 
yeah, we want you to come and run this whole thing. And you went, do you know what? I'm going to come and live in Thailand. Exactly. That I, was it. I was just at the point uh, because I retired from professional racing yeah. in 2006. So for the first three years, I was uh, just enjoying my life and did a little bit online coaching and some other things. And I got a few job offers, offers at the same time. And one of them was the job here in Phuket for Tanya Pura. And then I thought, you know what? I love Phuket so much. Why not work here for mm. one year? Yeah. And now it's been 11, 11 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of that that goes around. Wow, so there's a lot to unpick there. There's a lot to unpack with all of that. So let, let's take it back. Where were you um, when you said you used to travel back home? Where, where's home? Where are you from? Where does it I'm from Koblenz, which okay. is more in the Midwest of Germany at the two famous river Rhine and Mosul, famous for the wine. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a good place for triathlon training, a very historic city, 2000 something years old. And Why is it a good place for triathlete training? Because we have the rivers and we have four mountainous areas with, which go up to 800 meter elevation where you have just trails, thousands of kilometers of trails and roads with almost no traffic. It's actually a paradise for training except the German weather. It's just to say, apart, apart from the weather, <laughs> yeah. apart from that. But in terms of the triathlon, from a young age, is, is it a big prevalent thing in from where you're from that everyone gets into triathlons and, and you just sort of follow the crowd? Or was it always like an individual thing for you that that's something you wanted to get into? Well, when I started triathlon, there was almost no triathletes. It wasn't the beginning of the triathlon uh, the era. Uh, history uh, in 1983. And before that, I was a runner. Mm -hmm. So uh, track and field and I was injured and I couldn't run for like three months. And just to uh, compensate for that, I started to do a bit bike riding just to keep fit. Mm -hmm. And I hated bike riding. I hated the sore muscles. I hated to have a sore butt. And uh, Was I that didn't... just from the bike riding? Or... <laughs> <laughs> just we'll get on to that. I just want to check. Just... Thanks for checking. That's right, that's right. Um, when you said you were a runner, were you running, what level were you running at? I was running a middle distance, 850 meter, a bit cross country. I ran uh, 800 meter in 157 and the 1500-405 at the age of 16. Okay, that means so nothing that to me, like but is that top, good, is it? I... Top, top five in Germany in my age. Oh, um, top five? Wow. In, in my age group, okay. yeah. And was so it good, uh, but no medals. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, you know, fifth, <laughs> fourth loser, I guess. Fourth loser, yeah. yeah. Plus my, my sport teacher and my coaches said that I will not have a good future, a bright future in running because I'm too big, I'm too heavy. I'd better be the shot putter. Wait. What have you done with the old Jürgen? Where's he? Yeah. <laughs> were you bigger? You were a no, no, big... no. I was. You, you, I started to be a runner at fourteen, and the school teacher was looking for a thousand meter runner for the school team. Right. And he had in his mind the runner has to be skinny. Skinny. Yeah. yeah. Skinny. And I volunteered, and I was a little bit bigger, bigger shoulder for my age, and then he looked for me from head to toe and said, "I think you'd better be the shot putter." <laughs> and I thought, shot putter. These guys are big and fat and ugly. <laughs> and if you're a shot putter listening, we yeah. do apologize. <laughs> you're not all ugly. Yeah. And uh, you want to date a female shot putter? I'll date anything right now. To be fair, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, we just was talking so about so that. Like, you want to make sure it's, you want to make sure it is female first. But anyway, um. <laughs> so who was it? The one that said to try um, cycling? Well, it, it, I went from from um, from running rehab. to cycling just to like a rehab, and uh, oh. then when I was able to run again. That was when they announced the first triathlon in, in my hometown, Koblenz, 1983. And you had no idea about triathlons before that? Nothing, nothing. And there was no triathlon coaches. There was no science or, or training uh, history that I could look at from other athletes. I was and one of the first triathletes. Sorry, how old are you, if I may ask? Now, I'm 55. So at that are you time... you really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So when I started, I was... Not even 18 yet. See, so, okay, so you're a little bit older than me. You're a lot older than Russell, apparently. <laughs> I never knew about triathlon. And the only time I think I ever saw it was on Eurosport. Right. You know, only probably about 20 years ago when, you know, you would see it on some dodgy European channel. But it was never a big thing at all growing but when up. when did triathlons themselves actually start as an international sport? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, when did triathlons start when, when, uh, as an international sport? Because it's not, it's not been around for hundreds of years like, like football has. Say hundred, well, <laughs> well, there have been some shorter distance triathlons in San Diego in 1973 mm -hmm. was the first one, but it became really famous when a few drunk 
Navy soldiers were hanging out yeah. in Hawaii and they were fighting over who is the better athlete, the swimmer, the biker or the runner. Yeah. And then after a few beer, they decided to combine all three events. The Oahu rough water swim, which was uh, 2.4 miles, 3,800 meter. The Oahu bike race, 112 miles, 180 kilometer and the Honolulu marathon. All three disciplines in one event. And that was the birth of And that's how Iron it all came about. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. There you go. It's a quirky story. It's a bit like the, the three-legged walk that we did. It came from a stupid idea and just went... In fact, Mr. Jürgen came over to see us that us did, on that actually, day. He did actually that time, yeah. We were idiots. But, but no, it's, it, 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 it's a great story. And it literally was a bunch of guys just getting drunk and, and exactly. having a bit of a laugh. And, and I think and, it was just 20 people who competed. And yeah. it was very, uh, um, um, I mean, laid back mm. and not very professional. And no, the result yeah. list... Yeah was just handwritten yeah. and somebody was drawing the the uh, the certificate uh, with their own hand <laughs> i mean so yeah so, cool. so, so at the age of 18 hometown you thought i'll tell you what i'll give this a crack first triathlon exactly i had no idea uh, i just i just knew about running mm -hmm. that was my background and i did a bit of cycling just for fun and then i started swimming six weeks before the event i was when almost say, when you say started swimming like you knew how to swim i was able to sw swim 100 meter freestyle but then i had to rest right yeah okay. so my first swim session was 600 meter and uh it wasn't a 50 meter pool but 50 meters seemed too long for me so i swam across which was 16 whips. meter 16 <laughs> meter across so i did one lap breaststroke one lap backstroke one lap freestyle uh -huh. Rested 10 seconds and oh, yeah. repeated this. What's wrong with doing butterfly? Did you not want to do the butterfly? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. You're welcome to come to our training and oh. then we see your no. butterfly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I can do about two strokes of butterfly and then yeah. that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Better than average, yeah. Really? Yeah. It's a tough... I mean, that is a, a... weird stroke. Isn't it just? It's really, really hard. What yeah. purpose has butterfly got in life? It's, it's great conditioning. Is it great conditioning? I'd say so. And it's fast. Is I it think, fast? Yeah, though? yeah. I, did, I mean, you can't swim long distance butterfly because uh, you need lots of power for this. But on a 25 meter sprint or 50 meter freestyle and butterfly are very similar. So, how it, did you get on in your first ever triathlon? And what distance was it? Yes. It was a short distance race because I was not 18 yet. I was not allowed to do anything longer. So, it was a 500 meter swim, okay. 35 kilometer bike, and 12 kilometer run. I had no expectation. My mother was totally worried. She said, oh, my God, I hope you don't get a heart attack or something I mean, at the age of 17. Yeah. Um, and out of the blue, I won the triathlon. I knew you were going to say uh, that. <laughs> and I had no idea that I had a chance like to overall win. Overall or your age o group? Overall. <laughs> and how many, how many competitors? Uh, there were already 500 people in the race, so it was not very small. It was very well organized, very well promoted, and that was kind of the birth of triathlon in Germany mm. these years and and then I said okay forget about the running only um, I loved the variety of training uh, I felt better physically mm. when I did swimming biking and running and I ran less of course and also meeting new people I mean before I was in a circle of runners only and my friends were runners mm. and now I got to meet all these new people, swimmer, cyclist, and the new breed of athletes called triathletes. And we had the, the feeling that we would be pioneers in a sport. Cool. So from, from there, you've won your first race. What, what was next? And, and at that stage in life, I'm, I'm guessing finishing school? What I, was... I finished school at the same time. And then I did a, like an apprenticeship for two years combined. A, it's a mix of study and work mm -hmm. and for two years. And then I had to go to the military. It was mandatory at that time in Germany National for service, 15 months. Mm -hmm. But the hardcore military stuff was only for three months. And then for the next year, I was in a kind of sports camp. Okay. So they allowed me to train full time. Sweet. Can but I just check? So when you did your, the triathlon, what was your thinking at that time was, I want to be a sports person. This is where my goal is. Yeah. Or were you thinking, no, I've got I, there's other jobs I'm going to do. This is just a hobby. Uh, exactly. Um, good question. <laughs> 
Um, we asked the hard I questions just, on this pod. <laughs> I was just thinking year by year at this time. I'm, I was young, okay? I was enjoying what I was thinking doing. Day by was, day more like, right? <laughs> I, was, uh, I loved swim, bike, running. I enjoyed um, winning the races. And um, I thought I'm going to do this one year and do another year. And um, when I finished my military, I was supposed to start studying. But at that time, uh, something happened. I was second in the European Championships overall at the age of 20 and then I got uh, spoiled with sponsorship uh, contracts and my father who was very conservative and wanted me to study he said okay if this is the case you got to do the sport for a while because they're paying you so well mm. and that's what I did for a few years and you then you didn't seem to have pushed this through because uh, you with me on this but it's not as though you've you don't seem to be driving this like when I know sport I know guys that have done professional soccer and I played with them years ago but they were so driven I'm going to be a, a, a football player I'm going to play for this team I'm going to play for this team or I'm going to do this sport you seem like oh, I try trifling I was good at it yeah we'll I see won. what happens I carry yeah. on going I always had in the back of my mind to start a normal career and, and study. And, in what? And have what was the, if you weren't yeah. going to do triathlon, uh, triathlons? Business economics. Okay. That, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then after... Have you got few, brothers and sisters? Sorry I have one in. sister, yeah. Older, younger? She's 11 months younger. She okay. also does a bit of triathlon. She does a bit. <laughs> How many has she won? <laughs> uh, no, in fact, she was a non-athlete at that when yeah. we were teenagers. She hated me. I was the one who was winning races, mm. bringing home the trophies. Yeah. The parents were proud of what the son sure. is doing, and she was smoking and drinking and partying. I like her. When are we getting home? Oh, she sounds very similar to you. Was this further down your? We have yeah, the yeah, same yeah. parents, okay. but yeah, yeah. we went different paths for a while. Yeah. But now you've met up. <laughs> yeah. Now it's the other way around. Right. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, one day after she had a few drinks, um, she looked in my face with a cigarette in her hand and said, I can do exactly what you're doing. I can do a triathlon and I'll show you. And you and said, she, I can do exactly what you're doing. I lit up a cigarette. <laughs> so she signed up for a triathlon Excellent. with almost no training and she did really well. And then, uh, in fact, she got lost in the race on the bike. Uh, there was a sprint triathlon that she did and there was a half Ironman distance so she was supposed to do 20 kilometer oh, she went off course and did the 90 kilometer came off the bike last and I expected that she would throw the bike into the corner and scream at everybody and be totally upset and she didn't complain jumped in her shoes running shoes did the 5k run finished the 5k run she was dead last because of the long bike yeah. ride she did. And she fell into my arms with tears in her eyes and said, this did was it. the best thing I've ever done. Sweet. And then she became, became a triathlete, not as serious as I was, but she did Ironman races in 11 hours, which is pretty good. That's pretty good, yeah. 20-year-old, um, you've just won the European Championships. Second. Second. In my knowledge of triathlons which is very very limited i know you and i know russell and that's about my knowledge of yeah. triathlons never yeah, done i mean one. in terms of triathletes i mean you couldn't have gone too further apart there <laughs> yeah you only do some of it yeah i assumed that the older you were the better you were at triathletes so when i've watched the ironmans on Eurosports, it was always the 35 to 45 year olds that seems to be the ones that win in the race at 20 you're doing it there's exceptions to every rule, though, right? But you see where I'm going. It's kind of you, my perception of triathletes that they're they're older rather than it's not the younger guys that are coming. Well, through. that's exactly what happened. I was I was good at short distance, and uh, the shorter the distance, uh, the better for the young athletes because mm -hmm. they have the natural speed. And the longer the distance, the more uh, base training you need, the more mileage and years of training. So that's what happened through my career. I started more with short distance races, Olympic distance, which is like 1.5K swim, 40K bike, 10K run, and then moved up. And after six years of doing triathlon shorter distance, I decided to go to Kona to the Ironman World Championship. And it was never my intention to be an Ironman. I was happy with the short distance, but I was winning all the short distance races, but the guys who did Kona Hawaii Ironman races, 
they got all the media attention. Well, that's, that's, and they that's got, the pinnacle, right? Exactly. Yeah. They got all the big sponsorship mm -hmm. deals. And I thought, if I want to call myself the number one German triathlete, I have to go to Kona mm -hmm. just to show them once mm -hmm. and then turn my back to it and never come back. Is, is Kona invitation only? No, I had to qualify. Yeah. I qualified through a half Ironman distance mm -hmm. race in Germany. So I, I won that race and then I was allowed to go. And then at the age of 24, still very young for an Ironman athlete, I finished seventh overall and was best German. So I, I beat all the other Germans. It was important for me. And uh, I expected that I had enough after doing this one time. But I loved it so much. Um, the atmosphere, the, the tropical island, the international field, everything is laid back. Hawaii, you're doing this at 24. From a, from a, a competitive edge, um, I mean, you've obviously got to, I mean, you're very laid back. And for as long as I've known you, uh, as high a profile an athlete as you are and have been, you've always come across as a very laid back, very easygoing. Oh, thank you. Chill. No, no, just generally, you're very easygoing. But I'm sure in the moment, in in competition once once you hit the water once you hit the bike and the run surely you've got to have that fire inside that say i'm going to smash every single one of you if i can i think that was in my my genes yeah. um i was always like this i i tried to i always wanted to win races mm -hmm. i was not shy of training hard and pushing myself to the limit and um on top of that, I also enjoyed traveling internationally and go to international races, getting invited to European World Championships and meeting people from all over the world. And I guess it's, it's a snowball effect. Once you once you start to realize, look, I'm, I'm getting good at this and I'm, I'm winning or getting close to winning. If you're, I mean, if you're back of the field from the get-go, there's a long way to go. Whereas if from an early age you were hitting the front, you were winning and, or being very close to it, you know, hey, I've got to... I can go with this. Exactly. And um, I had this fire for a long time. Uh, but then uh, after doing this for 20 years, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I did it for, let's say, the last few years as a pro. I didn't have m much ambition anymore. I just wanted to live that lifestyle. Mm. And I was still placing well, but I didn't. I, I realized after the age of, let's say, 37, mm. I can't win the world championships I tried many times. My best result in Kona, um, that is the Ironman World Championship, was second in 97. When I was 32, I thought I can still win this. And then I finished fifth and sixth and seventh. Although, and I never had the chance to win this. And then at 37, I realized, okay, I do this for another three years just for fun. And then I retired in 2006. Just to throw in a nugget though, you, didn't, you never won Kona. No, I was but you did have a record for the bike course, did you not? I did. Uh, in in '92, I broke the bike course record. In '93, again, and that time stood for I don't know 12 or 13 mm. years. <coughs> and in in Roth, which is a European Ironman yep. at that time, I did a 4:14, 480 kilometer. That is, I think, 43 kilometer power average. And that also was the fastest time for like 15 years. So it's very bizarre that um, I ended up being the fastest cyclist in the sport. And when at the beginning, I was a runner and yeah. I hated cycling. Yeah. <laughs> I still hate cycling. Yeah. I hate cyclists. Yeah. I'll be very honest with you. <laughs> We're too much lycra in my opinion. I went on a bike ride yesterday for the first time ever in Phuket on the beach. I have a, a gravel bike. I was going to say, your bike. road bike can't go on the beach. That'd be rubbish. No, I, have, I have a gravel bike. It's like a, a road bike with fat tires, yeah. 40 millimeter. And I thought, you know, why not? I live at the beach. I live at Sai Hotel. I just step out the door and just ride at the beach. And man, I tell you, this was hard. Yeah. The soft sand, I almost fell. <laughs> and people were, there was one guy passing me on the bike with hands off the bar. He had an e bike. <laughs> That's just Those mother. <laughs> anyway, I rode from Sai Hotel, which is the former Outrigger, south. And by the time I came to Hugo Hub, yeah. which is way south at Bangtao yeah, yeah. Beach, I needed a drink. Yeah. Of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> just an excuse, wasn't it? Um, just touching back, when you were 20 and you started doing your triathlon, there can't have been much training and coaching. Who was coaching you and training you at that time? Because it was a brand new sport. And as you said, in Germany, it wasn't a huge thing. 
So how are you getting the training? How are you, you know? Well, I had knowledge about run training. I was studying all the, the training science about running. Uh, I had my idols like Sebastian Cole, Stephen Ovet from mm. England. And I tried to find all the literature about their training. So I copied what the world-class athletes were doing as a runner. And because there was no training science for triathlon, I just trans uh, used what I knew for running for, for swimming and biking. But after a while, I realized I need help from the specialists. So I didn't hire a coach. I just joined a biking group. So in my Koblenz, there was a biking group of experienced, old-school, old cyclists. They were all between 30 and 55. So, but in my eyes, they were old. But they had mileage in the legs. And they had experience. And they taught me how to be a proper cyclist. Mm. It was all old-fashioned. Uh, and they taught me how to ride in the group, the proper etiquettes, the proper training, like learning to, to ride in a high cadence first um, instead of using the big gears and being polite to each other. <laughs> don't spit in the field. Don't swear at others. And just sounds like I was brought up playing football. We yeah. didn't spit <laughs> and swear. We were very, very polite. Very polite. Yeah, very, yeah. <laughs> I love the etiquette going on there. So I learned the basics uh, from from cycling from this group, and I also realized, okay, swimming by myself doesn't get me far. So I called the coach of the best swim club in the state, which was in Koblenz, uh, 20 kilometers from my house. I was very nervous when I called him and uh, he had a reputation of being the toughest coach uh, in Germany. And he said, oh, Jürgen, you're lucky. Um, normally I accept only competitive swimmers, but I read your name in the newspaper. You want a triathlon? Come tomorrow to the swim. I give you a chance. So I showed up at the swim session. My palms were sweating. I was so nervous. And this guy shows up um, maybe just one meter 60. Didn't even introduce himself with a name. He just walked up to me and said, hey boy, listen, these are the rules. If you can make it, you can come back. If you can't make it, I'll never see you again. Okay. So no pressure. Okay, what do you mean by make it? What is the workout? And he said, 10 times 800 meter. Wow. On a 12-minute interval, send-off time, 12 minutes. That means I had to swim faster than 130-minute per 100-meter pace just to have a few second rest between the 800s. It's an 8,000-meter total. Eight, eight eight like swim. So, so it's like the bleep test for running where the bleep goes, you have to go and go it, back and go exactly. back and go back and go back. Have you ever done the bleep yeah. test? It's a horrible thing. So in my mind, I thought, okay, this is an insane workout. I'm not prepared for this, but this is my one and only chance to be accepted in this elite swim group and to get proper coaching. So I made the workout. I survived and uh, I thought, okay, he did this on purpose just to test me. And I was wrong. We did this like two or three times per week, either 10 times 800 or 40 times 200 or 20 times 400. And that was yeah my few years in the swim club where I learned to swim proper. So I went from being almost a non-swimmer to a decent swimmer. Uh, not one of the fastest in the world of triathlon, but I could uh, hang on to the lead group most of the time. But that, of, of the three disciplines, the swim is definitely your weakest. S uh, swim was my weakest, but yeah. it was still okay. I swam the 100 meter in 101 and the 1500 in 1845, okay. which is still okay. Yeah. But there were other swimmers in the world that swam 16 minutes yeah. or 1500. So far out. What about learning about race management? Do you like that? Yeah. I, I've pulled that one out of the bag. Because I don't know anything about I've never done a triathlon. And like I said, I never want to do a triathlon. It's not in my bag of tricks. But how do you learn about managing the race? So you learn how to do the running. You learn how to do the swimming. You learn how to do the cycle, whichever order it is. I don't know. Not that order. Thank you. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but... But it's about managing your pace and the, the nutrition side of it, which, which is also super important. And again, you're at the forefront of that or as part of a group of people at the forefront. So how do you realize, fuck, I've got to eat. I've got to feel myself. You know, I don't sprint for the first five seconds or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I can't even answer that question for myself because everything came natural for me. I okay. had a competitive spirit. I did running races. I had this competitive um, um, attitude and character and I did lots of mistakes um, but you learn from the mistakes yeah. it was like trial and error and it's the nutrition the beginning 
okay, we don't eat anything. And then after a while, okay, I'm running out of energy. So next time I eat a banana and have some yeah. extra calories in the bike bottle. So you learn. Um, there was nobody who told you, or not many people who told you, this is how you have to do it. Would you ever do an Iron Man just on crackers and peanut butter? <laughs> because no. that, Russell and I walked for 17 hours on crackers and peanut butter, and it was the worst idea. Who it, I know who it was that gave us that I idea. I know exactly who it was. Thanks very much, Mary. Um, but what during the race, is it, you, you do say it's banana. Are you constantly eating when you're doing the triathlon, or are you just going for it? It's mostly on the bike, I think, you'll eat, right? Um, well, you need calories, but you need to train your body over months or years to utilize your fat uh, we have everybody even skinny people have a lot of fat stored in the body you need to learn to so utilize I'm a skinny person then <laughs> I've just got a bit of fat hanging around so you need to learn to utilize fat so um, somebody who can't use the fat as an energy source is dependent on calories all the time these are the people who every 10 minutes need a gel or an energy bar or a sugar drink and over a time of four six eight or an Ironman 10 to 15 hours for the age groupers this is too much stress on your digestion system so I try to uh, I'm a coach now so I try to get people ready by using their own stored energy sources and how do you do that how do you switch someone from what uh, that, that, he's not going to tell us that because that, he's charging yeah. people money for that kind of stuff yeah no i'm willing to give away Ooh, the here information. we go some top tips uh they need low intensity training okay that's a big mistake what people are doing they train too hard all the time yeah. especially nowadays when everything is on social media they have their sport watches they have these training apps that they share on social media like strava for yeah. example and they all have want to have a fast average so i want to run a 10k every time close to my personal best and that's the big, biggest mistake because Russell. they're constantly <laughs> using carbohydrates as yeah. an energy source, but they need to train low intensity. Uh, let's say for you, maybe heart rate 120 to 140 uh, to optimize your fat metabolism. So your 9K run you did around the thing, putting your Strava up, don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But no, it's, it's a good point. Like, I mean, I don't do it religiously by any stretch, but like for me, if my if i'm going for run, i'll just go for a run and i'll see how i feel in the day as to whether i'm going to push it or go or dial it back but if you're dialing it back managing your heart rate is a is a really important thing which not a lot of people would you're right it's all about how fast can i go for this three five ten k whatever as opposed to saying gee because if i post a time that says it took me you know 636 per kilometer that doesn't look very good so i've got to push it whereas actually in terms of a training benefit that's a much better run yeah so that's my, my, my number one advice for athletes who want to be competitive, that they Slow have to down. make sure that they do most of the training at a low intensity aerobic hmm. uh, uh, level. So most people train too fast. Speech training is important. But Sorry, uh, speech training? Speed, speed. Oh, speed training. Yeah. Like tempo training once in a while hmm. on like certain days, the key workouts but you need to build a solid foundation of aerobic fitness, which includes optimizing the fat metabolism and also uh, like building mitochondria, which are the little power plants in your body cells that uh, provide you with energy. And if you train too hard all the time, you only train your carbohydrate metabolism, not your fat metabolism. Yeah. Oh, it's a lot of work, this training business, isn't it? Yeah, and there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of depth to it. And again, going back, you know, you were kind of at I guess at the forefront of this learning as you go um, and of course now to impart that knowledge to others but going through your career was there ever a time when you suddenly I mean I, I guess with every athlete sports person there comes a time when you realize the end is coming number one and that's within your own head as to when that's going to be but did you at that time think I want to then what was next I want to go into coaching I want to, to continue with it did you have any sort of plans for after I had no real plan. Um, I, I retired from racing uh, at the age of 41 mm -hmm. and I just took a deep breath and enjoyed myself and had a, a few months or a year where I was just fooling around partying. I put on and, 40 kgs. <laughs> and thought, okay, the work can wait. And people uh, approached me. I got some job offers and I was very picky. And then 
uh, people asked me about coaching. Uh, so I said, okay, let me start this because that's what I can do. I, I have my, my experience, my knowledge. I want to share this. So I started online coaching um, just for fun. And that has expanded. Um, but it was never my intention. It just came to me. And that's what I'm doing now. Um, besides training a group here, the squad in Phuket, mm -hmm. I do online coaching. That means I use a training app, Training Peaks, and coach people from all over the world. And these people normally come to Phuket once a year to train with us. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, due yeah, to COVID, obviously. it does not happen. Well, so. let's, let's, let's move right forward. So you, yeah. Right, that's terrible England, isn't it? Um, so you got an offer at, at Tanyapura. They invited you to come and be a coach out here. So that was your first kind of step into Phuket and your first time really coaching? Or you've been coaching no, no, before I was, that? Before? I was coaching online before online, in was, Germany. Um, but that was just a, a thing on the side. I had, so this was kind of like your first proper job. <laughs> it's Tanya Pura. Can you call it a proper job? I'm not, I'm not sure if that's allowed. Yeah. I've worked for Tanya Pura. It wasn't a proper job. Well, I came to Phuket and thought, okay, let's combine a little bit holiday with a little bit of work. Sure. And I was wrong. I mean, after a while, I realized this is proper work. And I had a, I didn't have an eight to five job. My job started at six o'clock mm -hmm. or five thirty in the morning. And uh, I also built up the online coaching for Tanya Pura. So mm -hmm. I ended up sitting on my computer for 15 hours per, per week or 20 hours on top of coaching the groups, the, the athletes, and on top of managing the Triathlon Academy. Mm -hmm. So it ended up being a 40 to 60 plus uh, hour per week mm -hmm. job. And when did the, the, not the split from Tanya Pura, but when did you decide to go right now? I'm I'm Jürgen Zach, I'm going to set up my own thing and we're going to go down that path. Well, I did have a split with Tanya Pua. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're going to gloss a, over that. But <laughs> a little bit of a fallout, um, but um, I mean, the management has changed so many times. About a thousand since. times, yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't want to leave Phuket because I, I thought this is where I belong. I like the people here. I like the people who come to Phuket. I like the international flair. I like the tropical island. I like to be somewhere where it's warm, where I do like the food. I fell in love with the Thai food. And then I said, I will do my own business here. I started Z Coaching Phuket, and we are based in the Laguna area. He's good at, see, he's done press conferences yeah, before. You yeah, see the way he's yeah. putting all these plugs in? Yeah, yeah. It's very good. I like this. Good lad. <laughs> we'll I'm put just giving you the information <laughs> you're asking for. And, um, Z Coaching Phuket.com. I'm just checking. In, well, I don't... We'll put the I, description in. I've always put I don't we'll put use the website that much. Um, Ooh, but I'm more of, um, active on social media okay, like Facebook. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We have a Facebook page. minus coaching Phuket. And so what you do, so you're saying you do the online. So if Russell and I were in a different country, somewhere around the world, so your target market is kind of people outside of Phuket to learn from you online and then they'll come and How long do they... If, forget COVID aside, how long would they come to Phuket for? for oh, it's, it's different. Um, sometimes it's even the other way around. People come to Phuket to train with our group and they realize, okay, Jürgen is a decent guy and a good coach and I hire him as an online coach. Oh. And sometimes it's the other way that I have an online coaching athlete who wants to see the coach, train with the coach, do a training camp, mm. escape from the European winter or the Australian winter. And they come here and some stay for a week, some stay for a month, and some come here and they never leave. Uh, we have a lot of people coming from Singapore uh, over the weekend, again and again. People who come like once per month for three days. Cool. And uh, before COVID, I had about 500 to 600 people internationally coming through that coaching per year. Sweet. And you're also um, training the Thai, aren't you, as well? Yes, so I would say uh, 40, 30 to 40% of my group are Thai people um, who live in Phuket or sometimes people come from Chiang Mai or Bangkok. And we let the locals from Bang Tao, the young people, train with us for free cool. and um, to support the Thai community. And we got a really good pool of talents. We have some 16-year-olds who are now the best sprint triathlon athletes in Thailand. 
There's one guy, his name is Pan Pan. He was a swimmer at Tanyapura before. He had enough of swimming. He and his parents approached me 16 months ago. Uh, how about triathlon hours? And I said, yeah, let, let him join. And in the beginning, he was not super fast. He was jogging at 5.30 minute per kilometer and had a heart rate of 160. That's jogging. That, that's me. That sounds like a sprint to me yeah. for a kilometer. <laughs> But oh, he was yeah. not very, very, very impressive on, on, on the long distance run and the bike, but his improvement curve was so steep that he's now one of the best triathletes in Thailand in sprint distance. And he just got a scholarship in a U US university wow. in North Carolina. Nice. Um, and another guy is Pim. His father lives near Patong and he is, um, super fast on the bike in fact he's a better time trialist now than Jurey. Yeah. Jurey is our local boy who and was that's what i was about to ask about Jurey as well yeah, he's a number one tie to athlete for the last 10 years but the younger kids the 16 year olds are getting closer and closer and, and we have a few um 16 year old who can be the next Jurey and um i love to work with teenagers i mean oh, so, oh, that, that's what i was just going to ask in terms of the you must have a complete range, not just here in Phuket, but with your online coaching as well, from the young to the old, to those that just want like, like hobbyist triathletes. But you must have some pros or those that want to be professional on your ranks as well, right? Exactly. We have one pro at the moment here in Phuket, uh, Dimitri Lee Duke from mm -hmm. Australia. Sorry, what was his name? Uh, uh, her name. She's oh, a woman. Dimitri Lee Duke. Uh, I'm sorry. Dimitri, no, Dimitri. 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 Yeah. Dimitri Duke. Dimitri Lee Duke. God, it's lucky I don't speak England, isn't it? <laughs> Dimitri. She's from Le Australia. Well, she doesn't sound. Dimitri Le Duke. Lee. Lee. Oh, Dimitri Lee. Lee Duke. 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 Okay, right. Oh, so it's three names. Yeah. Okay. okay, got it now. So anyway, so she, Dimitri Lee Duke. She, she's been training with us in Phuket for six months per year over the last six years. And because of the COVID situation, she was stuck in She's Australia. Stuck, yeah. She decided to come here and do the quarantine. And now she's training here. And we have a few other pro athletes who come here occasionally. I was coaching Dim um, Imogen Simmons for four years. Yeah. That name I know. Yeah. Who ended up being number three in the world for half Ironman distance, 70.3 Ironman. And... Um, and a lot of pros come through our training, like Patrick Lange, the two-time Hawaii Kona champion. He trained with us normally every April. Uh, the Norwegian national team, the Japanese national team, they were here last year, cool. just before the lockdown. And that's what I miss. I miss all the international athletes, sure. regardless if they're age grouper or professional athletes. I like them all. Just, just the mix of it. But for the age group or the hobby athletes, uh, we have a little bit of a minimum requirement to join our group. Mm -hmm. So we are not the right group for an absolute beginner. Yeah. If somebody needs to learn That's how to ride a bike first, they cannot jump in our group. And um, I was going to get onto that, like in terms of, um, for people, with, if, you, if especially going out on the bike, well, actually for any of it, but certainly on the bike, you know, if, if everyone's peeling off at 35, 40 kilometers an hour and I'm stuck here at the back and I'm gassed at 23K an hour, you, you just can't make up that, that difference. At least in the pool swim, you're only going back and forth, exactly. so if you're super slow, it doesn't really matter quite so much. In the pool, it's no big issue yeah. because in the pool, we are in a safe environment yeah. and I can see the athlete and observe him. But on the bike, we are splitting our big group into yeah. three or four smaller groups. And um, the fast group is always with Jurey. And uh, the slowest group, we call them not the slow group, we call them the smart group because they ride smart. Yeah. But they still ride 30 kilometer power yeah. average. So if you cannot ride 30 kilometer per hour um, on a relatively flat road, safe in a group, we are not the right group for you. And I, if you don't I, know, have any idea what Jürgen just said, don't. No, no I very much either. do. Because I remember when you were at Tanyapura, because um, I was getting into the whole sort of triathlon thing kind of around that, that sort of time and, and doing it. And I went out with the group. I think it was like a Saturday morning ride. I think Steve was there as well at the time. The Colonel. The Colonel. And it was a massive group, and we all pulled out Tanya Pro, went down the road, and for the first sort of, I don't know, 20 minutes, I was like, oh, this is all right. And then all of a sudden, it just sort of sped up, and everyone just kind of went, Hoof. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm gassed now. I'm, I'm giving it my everything. And we're doing about 30, 35, and everyone's cruising. And I'm at the back of the group. I'm struggling to hang on to coattails. And then 
I don't know, half an hour later, everyone's like, right, we'll, we'll start now. And just literally just fucking took off. It was like pressing a button and going. And I was like, I've got nothing. I So I just turned and hightail and went back. Just... That's why we split the group yeah. most of the time in three uh, at the moment or three or four. And uh, just to make sure that everybody can write at the level they should be yeah. writing at. I'm happy to be in the truck yes, and hand out the water when you need it. I'm good at that, I reckon. I yeah. could do that. Maybe you got the job. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Right, Russell, question. Um, so you've obviously you've done a lot. You've been a lot of places. You've covered a lot of ground. But are there any sort of things on your bucket list, things that you'd like to do, haven't yet done? Well, I'm, I'm happy with the life I'm having right now, sure. um, especially with the life I had before all the COVID restrictions. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the... The, the bucket list. I've, I've been in uh, being a pro triathlete, traveling all mm. over the world, and I've been in, in Asia since '97, working here for 11 years. But I have not been to all the Asian countries because I was always busy with coaching people here. Mm. I wanted people to come to Phuket instead of me going, going to Vietnam to or to Japan. And but I do regret that I didn't travel enough. Right. I'm, I'm getting older. I'm 55 years old, and I have been here so long but I have never been in Japan never been in Cambodia never been in Vietnam uh, and that's what I want to do uh, when the madness is over travel and explore Asia and I know you've retired from professional racing but you still race yourself I do some races for fun yeah. uh, as an age grouper um, and do manage most of the time to win my age group not all the time um, it's got to but, piss you off if you're in his age group, isn't it? But, going, oh, he's a well Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, but, oh, sign myself up for a race. Oh, Jürgen's in my age group. Oh, for the love. <laughs> what is the age? I'm just thinking, what if, so what's the age it's bracket? 46 to 55. It, it, or? Every five years. Oh, so five years, 50 okay. to 55, 55 Oh, so we would never be in the same. Oh, that's right. right. We're, we're, we're okay. right. Yeah. You're fine, guys. I'll be right. Yeah, yeah we'll be. Um, so, can I ask one question? Out of all the different triathlons that you've done and you've performed in, which is your favorite? I would Cohen. really say Laguna Phuket Triathlon is my favorite. Not because I'm, I'm here, I'm doing a business, I'm living here. Or um, I think this is a fantastic course. It's very challenging. It starts with the swim. The first part of the swim is in the, in the sea with the oh, salt water. The, yeah. And oh. then you exit the water, run um, over the sand. the sand, and you jump into the lagoon and suddenly... And Life looks completely different. There no visibility. The water is three, four degrees warmer. Yeah. It, the no zero buoyancy. No buoyancy. You sink. And then you have this challenging bike course with the night on hills. And then the two-loop run course through Laguna. <clears throat> it's very well organized, very international. Um, I can just recommend for anybody to do this, to put uh, this on the bucket list. And to be fair, I know... Obviously, look, you live here, you've got a business here. It, it sounds like, you know, we should say it's the Phuket, it's the best race. But from mixing with a lot of the triathletes, and we were on the radio at the time when they were coming through, so many of the international professional athletes were saying the same thing. It's an amazing race. It's well run. It's well put together. And it's challenging. It is. It it's is. Like, it's, it's not really, easy. It's, it's not a honeymoon. Not, and, it's, uh, it's not a honeymoon. <laughs> well, I think on that note... Yeah. <laughs> Jürgen, thank you very much for being on a little podcast. Uh, thank really you. appreciate nice. that. And uh, we'll put all the links yeah. in the description below as I point down to, um, to Jürgen's training stuff. And let's just hope this COVID thing goes and then we get some people back here. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And thank if you, you want to swim back one, you know how to find me. Absolutely. Right? We'll put links <laughs> to how to find realized, you. I've got a really bad knee at the moment. Yeah, my hamstrings are really quite tight. tight right <laughs> Jürgen, thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers Russell. Cheers, Cheers bye. 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 Welcome to the outro. Thanks for your time, Russell. It's been a pleasure, Jay. Um, See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> I like Jürgen. A lot. He's very cool. And do you know what I liked about that podcast? Is I think it had a natural finish. It came to a very natural end when he <laughs> said he liked the conclusion. Laguna Phuket triathlon. But, and jokes aside, it's, jokes aside for a moment. Yeah. So many of the international athletes do say that. It's, I mean... We, we live here, so we kind of, you know, we were sort of wrapped up with, you know, it's, you know, it's Phuket and the things that kind of go wrong and you think, how can anything be managed correctly here? They put on a stellar race and it's a difficult, difficult race. Have you done it? 
Yeah, a few times. Have you done it the whole thing, or were you part of a team? I've done no. I've done it individually. I did the the Guna Phuket Triathlon, which well is a, I think the Olympic distance. I think. Oh, look at him throwing the out week, the word Olympics. The week, the week after that is the the, the seventy point three, the half Ironman. Oh, that's right. I remember you did. And the I've, done them, you, I've done them. I've done them back to back a couple Bangkok of times. Bangkok one, and then come. You try to do three triathlons or three marathons no, in the, one day or something. Yeah, that was the the nice one. The three Gump. and two weeks. It was three the ba- and two I did weeks. the Bangkok marathon, and I would absolutely recommend anyone to not do the marathon in Bangkok. It was fucking hideous. Influencer Russell for the Bangkok marathon. It, it was, unless they've changed the route, it was horrible. Starts at two in the morning, you run down the highway and back. Awful. So I did that. Week, weekend after that was LPT and then the weekend after that was a half iron. I didn't realise you were gay. LPT. Oh, right, okay. There you the go. The Guna Phuket Triathlon should pretty Ooh, much that's a funny But it's a, it's a very good race. You've got to be careful. Those are, and then and algorithms, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, the word's gone from my brain, but I know what you mean. The letters... Anagram? Anagram. Not anagram. Is it anagram? Are we playing countdown all of a sudden? <laughs> There's a joke for you English old people. Um, no, I like Jürgen Zach. He's very, very cool. He's a handsome man. And not only that, he's really, really cool. And he's and an excellent coach. He's an excellent coach. an excellent coach. I've, I've done some coaching with him. Um, and you oh should, God, girls, you should check Russell out now because Ooh. he's hot as. <laughs> fit as fuck, some might say. <laughs> I don't know where this is going either, anyway. Um, But no, go and check out his description. If you are interested in getting into triathlon, he is the right person to sit and have a coffee and talk to. You know, and even if you are, you know, a total beginner, have a chat with him. He'll know people that can get you into Mm. it and help you out. And it is a great thing, apart from if you are on the roads, stay to the side. Don't wear your stupid lycra. It's not the Tour de France. And then don't come in the coffee shop all sweating horrible, wearing your stupid cleats. Clip clopping on the floor. I've got a good story and then for you sit about in a coffee shop, all sweaty and horrible. I've got a good story for you about gels. Mm, we'll talk about gels later. Yes. Um, thank you for listening to the Jailer Shark and Friends podcast. And Russell, hey. I'm forgetting you today. You've upset <laughs> me already. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you do want to check us out, oh, we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram, we are on the Twitter, we are on everything else. I think we're not on TikTok. We should get on TikTok soon. I tell you where we, where you should go where should we go russell i reckon phuketpodcast.com would oh. be the best place to go thank you you weren't expecting that were you no i wasn't expecting you to no. say it properly for a change no, it's phuketpodcast.com i keep telling you this there you go and, and if you do go to phuketpodcast.com you know what else you can find story a time shed ton Bartcast. a shed ton of podcasts phuket property podcast amazingly well produced and recorded uh, and dealt with and average, sorted out and put together produced by Shark 13 Productions. That's right. Shark 13 Productions is the production company that produces all these podcasts. And if you'd like a podcast... And puts them on phuketpodcast.com. That's right. If you'd like a podcast <laughs> for your company, just let me know. Um, if you need your dog training or if you'd like to board your dog, if you're going to go away for the weekend or if you're going to wait for the night, not that you can right now, but you know, I guess you can. Or if even you if you just want to send the dog in for the day and that's exercise the hell out of it. And listen, homeschooling's about to start again. So anyone who wants their dog taken away out of the house while they're just homeschooling... Just give the dog a break. Exactly. Just for the day. Um, but go and check out Russell's place. It's Canine Point Academy. Go and check it out. And you can take your dog up there and they can run around with other dogs and they'll have a doggy day out. Doggy day out. Doggy daycare. Thanks, Russell. Cheers, buddy. I'll see, see you next, next week. week. <laughs> Who are we interviewing next week? Do you know? I do. Who? I can't tell you. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>